You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. And welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Floor. Joining me, as always, is Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now, my co-host and father of the best dog on the planet, Shang Pang. Shang, how's it going? Best dog in the world, best dog <laughs> on the planet, best dog in the universe. Oh. <laughs> Mushu. Uh, did uh, as you guys saw online, uh, did go see the vet yesterday. Um, she did get her cast off, that's the good news. The bad news, though, is that it's going to be another two weeks uh, until she can be at uh, full health. So, right now, uh, uh the, the, the cast is off and she's able to walk around, but she's not really allowed to run or jump. And so, yeah, uh, she is uh, not Mario Ferraro, she is a nine year old. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's so she's 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 not a quick killer. Uh, she, she did not beat projected timelines. Um, I think right now I, I always get the math kind of confused or I forget, but I think we're at uh, we were given a six to eight week uh, prognosis, and it's six weeks now. The cast is off, but it's gonna be another two weeks to full health. So, uh, you know, uh, not 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 uh, not not a quick killer, uh, uh, senior dog, uh, but uh, hopefully it will be ready to go by the playoffs. Oh, well, Sharks won't be there, but, you know, yeah. uh, Mushu will be there. <laughs> Rehabilitation is going well, though. That's all that matters. Yes, Cast yes. Off. No further damage. She's currently day-to-day. So. Yep, uh, she's uh, ready for the World Championships. So. There we ready, go. Ready, That's right, 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 ready, right, for, right. Uh, <laughs> ready for some good hockey, hopefully. <laughs> On this week's episode, folks, we're going to bring back our good buddy Mike McKenna of Daily Faceoff to talk all things Sharks goaltending. We had him on, oh yeah, specifically in Kakinen. We had him on a previous episode where we discussed the, I believe it was prior to the season starting, where we talked about Aiden Hill, James Reimer, expectations moving forward. Now he's basically going to give us a summary as well as his reaction to Kakinen. So make sure you all stick around for that. Before that, though, we're going to talk about Ryan Merkley's game against Edmonton and then give some more updates on the injury front for the Sharks. As always, though, we do like to note the date. It is a not scorching hot, but it feels like it because of the temperature change. But it's the beautiful night here, April 6, 2022, in Northern California. 75 degrees in San Francisco and 200 in Sacramento. Yep, because it is a fire (laughs) ball up here half the time. (laughs) It's just so hot and allergies. It's terrible. (laughs) Chris knows. Chris Freeman knows what I'm talking about. Chris, if you're listening, he gets it. But let's jump right into it, right? So we gave the most important update of the entire show. Mushu's on the mend. Hashtag on the mend. The most notable polarizing, I guess is the word we're going to use, the most polarizing player in the game versus Edmonton, a very defensive game, in my opinion, was Ryan Merkley. Would you, would you agree with that? 
Most polarizing. Oh, that's a good. Uh, no, I think uh, Matt Nieto in overtime was me. Oh well, yeah, that's a decision <laughs> though, right? I'm talking in general as a player, Ryan oh, okay. Merkley. Okay, okay, sure, as as a player, yes. Okay, yeah, yes, the fair. decision to play Matt Nieto in overtime could have been polarizing to some, but <laughs> as a player in general, I feel as though Ryan Merkley was the most polarizing. Uh, he made a pass. Well, this is the reason why we're we're doing this portion of the episode. Well, we should know too before that uh, he. Uh, it looked like uh, Ryan Merkley was benched after the shorthanded goal. He did not play mm-hmm. after that. Um, as a young rookie, you know, it's possible that it wasn't really a benching, and it's more uh, tight game. Uh, you know, going with sort of sort of your your vets there, but. Mm-hmm. Then again, yeah, then again, though, uh, yeah, uh, Bob did not seem thrilled with Merkley's play, so we'll yeah. just call it benching. Sometimes, you're, you, sometimes you, you can't tell, but uh, I think I think we can say it was a benching. <laughs> yeah, it's it's safe to say that it felt like he got benched there. Mm-hmm. Um, he started off with a couple of passes that it just felt like he was in game mode the entire game, followed by a couple of passes that felt like he was in barracuda mode. Yeah, yeah. And then going back to uh, the shorthanded goal, I I think that a lot of the ire I see on Twitter and whatnot is that the shorthanded goal, um, I'm not going to say Merkley played that two-on-one great, but yeah, it's hard to place the blame squarely on him for sure. Yeah. Uh, because you know, that's a you know, Ferraro gets uh beat uh by a Nugent Hopkins uh, sort of to a to, a, to a, a clear basically, just a clear really, and mm-hmm. and then that that that's sort of a broken play that leads to a two on one there. And um, yeah, it's 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 hard to put that on Ryan Murphy, and you should bench him for that. But I think the point that you're getting at, and we'll talk about, is that um, that's not why a Merkley was benched. Yeah, Shang. So it's, I believe there was a, we talked about it before. There was a press conference post game, right? Where uh, Bob. Oh no, about it was this this this, uh, this morning. Uh, we asked morning, uh, Bob gotcha. a little bit about uh, Merkley and just sort of uh, his overall take on on Ryan's play uh, yesterday. And um, well, should should we start with the good first or just go straight into the bad? What do you what do you? Think? I mean, let's <laughs> let's start with the good, right? Because okay. so he made a pass. It was probably the most confident pass I've seen him make to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, skated through the defensive zone, patient, patient with the puck. Seems like every time he's patient with the puck, good things happen or really bad things happen. Right. So in this case, it was a really good thing. He made a laser beam of a pass through both zones onto the tape of Tomas Hurdle. So hard that Tomas couldn't corral the puck. It would have sprung him for a breakaway. Mm-hmm. Right. Brett Hedekin, a guy who's... I wouldn't say critical, but it's his job. He's a defenseman from you know in the NHL, Stanley Cup champion. He's very critical of Ryan Merkley's play. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, that's his job. It's well, his job also too. In, in fairness to Brett, if anybody is going to evaluate a defenseman, it, it would be Brett Hedekin, who played. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's defenseman who played. I'm not actually sure how many. Games. I think Brett actually may have passed a thousand games. A hell and, of a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and obviously a Stanley Cup champion too. But he was no cup of coffee kind of kind of guy in the NHL. Yeah. Um, He's a very accomplished uh, uh, NHLer, and so uh, I know that that and this is sort of uh, uh, branching off a little bit. But I know that mm-hmm. sometimes uh, Brett's commentary on uh, maybe some of the, the 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 more skilled Sharks defensemen, Carlson or Merkley, uh, may not be the most popular, but it comes from a, a place of a very 
you know, just a, a, a very experienced guy playing defense actually played 1039 games in NHL. So, yeah. and yeah, times are different. It's 2022. It's not sure early 2000s hockey. Like I understand but, that, but I then let's it. go back another way though. He's all, he also played an era with, you know, Paul Coffey was still very good when Brad Hedekin was starting. Brian Leach mm-hmm. was in his prime. Uh, so a lot of good offensive defensemen, too. I just want to throw it in there, too. So it's not like he was yeah. uh, playing in the Stone Age. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I understandable completely. It's You're going to put stock into what he says specifically. Like you said, the resume that he has is unmatched right now, especially in the league, league-wide. It's very difficult to find some of that resume. So, like, take what he ta- – you know, hear his criticism – and mm-hmm. try to see it objectively. Like, try not to wear the teal-colored glasses for the, throughout the entire game. It's tough to say, but it is it is what it is. You know, he's, he expects a lot from skilled players, and he's going to criticize them in moments where they deserve Did he say criticized. something about that hurdle play? Uh, I don't, you know, I, don't, I can't recall if he said, you know, okay. hurdle may have, you know, he said, I don't think hurdle was even expecting such a great pass from Ryan. Okay. Like, so he, he's, he's going to be nice then. Yeah. So, yeah, he, well, that's what I was kind of getting to is where yeah. he's been known to criticize Ryan Merkley. Mm-hmm. Brett Hedekin was just praising Ryan with his play. Uh, well, I'm saying last night, but the that other night against play. Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, if they do something good, he's going to praise them for it if they do something uh, one, bad. one play yeah uh um or do, uh yeah one play i like from 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 ryan not that, uh, sorry to cut you cut you off there mm-hmm. um uh let me see this was a period two this is in my game notes uh that, that you can pull up but about mm-hmm. three minutes left um merkley went down low i mean he kind of pulled three allers toward him and he hit timo meyer i think it was in the slot you know beautiful kind of play beautiful patience um merkley makes plays like that every game mm-hmm and so yeah so 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 you saw your play that 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 you love from him i love that play from ryan markley yesterday yeah and then he had a he had another play where he got a four checker i believe it was mcleod correct yep it was mcleod yeah he essentially just jukes him out of his skates blows a tire in front of james reimer crowd goes crazy yeah yeah no i was yeah i was actually looking down i don't think i saw that play at first i just heard the Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, oh, I, yeah. I, and I looked back at the feet and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, he, oh. just, <laughs> he skates it through the neutral zone with just like a level of swagger that was unmatched for all of five seconds because it just leads to a giveaway. Yeah. And then well, now we're going to go to the negative portion. So we started yeah. off with a good, and then we have this bridge play where he started off with something good. And then as you mentioned, it, it goes awry. <laughs> yeah. And, and that to me is why Ryan Merkley is, and, and was the most polarizing player for the San Jose Sharks. There's another pass that he made. Uh, he was kind of parked behind James Reimer, comes out behind the left side, goes to make a, a nice pass. Oh, yeah, I think I saw that. Was that, uh, um, was that when he's trying to hit uh, Ballzers? Uh, mm-hmm. Shaking yeah. up the left side? Let me let intercepted yeah. right there let me so. let me touch let me touch on that one uh in a bit but actually though let's go back to what you the one that you just talked about that turnover in the uh in the in the neutral zone you know yeah. first you know making getting mcleod to blow a tire fancy stuff and then the, the neutral zone and actually that's exactly what bob bugner talked about today at practice mm-hmm. and um let's see the quote is essentially let me find it sorry wait a minute Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, here you go. Yeah, in my in my transcription it says Ryan Murphy, so that's why I couldn't uh, uh, find it here. <laughs> so, anyway, Eddie's long so, lost cousin, hockey player Ryan Murphy. 
<laughs> okay, so this is this is Bob's quote, uh, para paraphrase basically. But uh, you got a guy to slip down there. All the fans were like, "Whoa!" and everybody was happy. But then he gets the red line and turns it over. We spent a minute thirty seconds uh, in our end, and then he he makes a, a backhand pass behind the net, and they get another chance from that. And so that's. You know, uh, I I haven't looked back at at the full play, so I don't know if it's uh, quite a minute thirty. Whatever though, you know the the point though is that Bob Bugner in those three sentences encapsulated everything that is great about Ryan Merkley and everything that is frustrating about Ryan Merkley, and yeah. so that I think uh, you know when people talk, we go back to the original point, right? Why did Ryan Merkley get benched? He did not get benched just for the shorthanded goal. Uh, so the other play that you mentioned, and I noted that too, and this is in my notes, I believe, at, uh, let's see, this was probably early, I think. Yeah, here you go. So this is about eight minutes left in the first period. And the way that, that I, I, I described it was that basically uh, Ryan's being patient with the puck. That puck, that's fine. Two Oilers, the four checkers, you know, instead of uh, going at him, maybe that's what he's hoping. Maybe he's hoping to lure them in. Uh, they instead just kind of sit back and they take away his stretch options. Yeah. And he tries to force a pass through to Balzers, who's, you know, blow, trying to blow the zone through the left side, like, like you saw there, right? And it's a turnover. It's, it's really, it's, it's not good hockey. <laughs> yeah. And, and Vlasic was there to, to at least make sure he, Vlasic stayed back. And so, so when that turnover happened, um, it was, you know, not a two Oh two on O it was a, you know, he, Vlasic was able to, 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 to stay back and help out there. Um, and uh, the Oilers did not score from that, but that's the kind of play again. And that's, you know, that's, there's no positive in, in that play really. Um, yeah. And so, I think uh, you know the bigger picture with with Ryan. Are there are any other plays that that you noticed? Those were some of the the big ones, good and bad, that I noticed, or we noticed. But uh, any, yeah, any no, that's honestly it was continual great. Like just his his prowess with the puck in the offensive zone is unmatched of a lot of people his age. It's very obvious. Sure, he is sure, yeah. No, that's high, that's very fair to say. But yeah, high talent, high high end talent, right? Uh, and I said this. Uh, before we started recording, and you said I have to elaborate on what I meant. But Ryan Merkley, to me, is what people think Brent Burns is. And when I say that, I mean the amount of Brent Burns slander that I see throughout the entire universe of the internet is just absolutely crazy. Because, yeah, Brent Burns has been known to be a little bit of a liability with the puck at times, defensively, right? But it's always been the trade-off, right? The trade-off has always been the offensive upside is worth the defensive downside that he may bring, right? But see, people seem to think that every time Brent Burns touches the puck, it's leading to an odd man rush the other way. So what people think Brent Burns is for the Sharks is who I think Ryan Merkley is right now for the Sharks, where it seems the second he touches the puck, either something really great is going to happen or something really bad is going to happen. It's a little bit closer, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I am a, a known uh, a Brent Burns uh, supporter. Uh, not saying that he is uh, phenomenal defensively. Uh, I think, yeah. again, it's, uh, there's shades. 
Uh, I think he's okay defensively. And I mean, okay. I mean, I, I don't mean that as like a backhanded compliment. I just think he's in an overall average. There's things he does actually quite well defensively. There are things that I don't think he does so well defensively. I've talked and written about all of it, so I'm not going to uh, rehash it now. Um, but I think, you know, cumulatively, he's a, he's a, he's a competent, you know, NHL defensive defenseman. You know, it's just strictly that yeah. part of it. And then you add the offensive side, then you get a pretty impactful player. Um, Ryan Merkley is not at that level yet, not close to being even average defensively. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I, I think definitely uh, there is more of a sense of uh, when he touches the puck, uh, it's, it's something great or something uh, really bad. <laughs> yeah, the biggest double-edged sword yeah. right now. And it's like, honestly, for me, that's entertaining. If it I'm is. being completely honest, the Sharks have no- – okay, from a fan standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. If you're just watching to watch the playoffs, right? The Sharks aren't going to be in the playoffs. So, like, sure. why am I going to watch, right? Why am I even going to watch this team? It's just a bunch of old guys on the ice, and they're, you know, yada, 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 right? This is sure. what we're hearing. It's not true. You got a lot of young guys. You got John Leonard. You got uh, Sasha Shemleski. You got Scott Reedy. You got Ryan Merkley. You got even Nicholas Malosh. You got a lot of guys out there that are young that are going to be putting effort forward to continue to get better because they're not 37 years old in the twilight of their career. They're very young. They're working towards getting better. So for me, I like to see Ryan Merkley out there. I understand Bob's move as far as holding the whole, the thing, it's the same thing he's done all year. I don't understand why people are confused about it. You're going to hold people accountable. I think what's a little unfair about it too is the kind of the criticism uh, on, you know, if Mer- Merkley is pulled out and Nicholas Milosh plays over him and like, and the question is, well, why Milosh over Merkley? And that's not fair to Milosh, I think, because Milosh is a young defenseman too. Yeah. You know, like why, why, why doesn't he get his shot? And what is he, uh, has he done things to earn playing time over Ryan Merkley? He absolutely has. Um, even, even, even something as simple as, the frustration when Mario Ferraro takes Ryan Merkley's place on the power play. People forget, of course, but Mario Ferraro is a young player too. Mario Ferraro is 23. Mario Ferraro, you hope he can top out as a, as, as a PP2 defenseman, right? A second power play unit guy. Um, there's, you know, some hope in that, right? And so why shouldn't he get that shot when, when, Ryan, when Ryan isn't in the lineup? And why can't he learn and get better in that area too? And so... That's part of it. Uh, the some of the the criticism on the line decisions that I think is I would yeah maybe it's unfair to 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 guys like that who uh, you talk about oh let's give Ryan Merkley a shot because he's young he's fun all those kind of things right Nicholas Merlosh Mario Faro uh, maybe not quite as no they aren't as young they're still young and they're definitely not as fun I guess <laughs> but but uh, they deserve you know their playing time and their uh, their chances to for more uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, play different situations, that sort of thing, right? And so um, that's something that, that I, I've, I've found interesting. You know, I think people like their skill guys, of course, right? They like their yeah. Merkleys. They like their John Leonard, Chmielewski's. That's fair and all that stuff. But, you know, Jonah Gadjevich, uh, Jeffrey VL, you know, these are young or you know, VL's 25, but, you know, not as experienced players that 
uh, deserve their shot and have done good things in, in, in the time that they've been in the lineup, uh, whether you want to see it or not, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, that's part of the narrative that I find, um, you know, overall narrative of course is, Oh, Bob Booger doesn't like young players. He just doesn't like your young player, maybe as much as, he, as much as, <laughs> as you think he should, you know, but, uh, but Mayor Farrell, you know, obviously plenty of ice time, uh, you know, ice time has been doled out, you know, in some evenness, right? All these guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle off here. Uh, Merkley, Reedy, Chimileski, Leonard, Gregor, Gadjevich, Ferraro, Malosh, even Dolan, right? Who's, you know, short end of stick recently, but Dolan obviously got a lot of runner of the season. Balzers, right? VL. All these young players I've just mentioned have played a lot of games this year, uh, each of them. And yeah. so, uh, again, you know, they're all they've all gotten their shot or are getting their shot now and this doesn't sound like a coach that hates young players you know it, it sounds like a coach that is giving young players uh basically making them earn their time and when they when they don't play well all these players i believe except for maybe chimileski because he's such a recent call-up all these players have been scratched healthy scratch or mayor farrell too obviously too all these players have been healthy scratch at one time or another um maybe not ballsers i'm not sure i gotta think about uh, ballsers uh, maybe not he's just been hurt but anyway though you know uh, i don't I, I don't think that changes my i guess the narrative that i'm trying to talk about here that that uh all these guys uh you know they've been uh, they've been held accountable you know they're mm-hmm. they're learning uh they've gotten their shots they've gotten plenty of, of good time and there's also been times when they've been sat down uh and i don't think it's any i guess favoritism really so much for 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 any player you know if there's favoritism for mario Ferraro, i think that's pretty obvious why there's favoritism for him um but everybody else seems to be pretty much under the well yeah you can sit one night or you just go to the fourth line balzers i think hasn't been scratched or balzers has been sent to the fourth line a couple times uh, recently yeah and this isn't us saying or making some dramatic declaration that every single decision that Bob Bugner makes is like without fault. Like he's the perfect head coach or anything in that sense. It's just trying to put yourself in, in the coach's shoes and, and look objectively at the situation and understand uh, not only the message that he's trying to send, but the consistency of coaching habits that he's instilling in these guys as well. He said himself that last season he let people, Maybe get oh, Evander Kane specifically. <laughs> well, yeah, but like he's he's maybe Bob in and of himself is is holding himself a little bit more sure. accountable by sure. by saying you know what I gotta continue to do this or I gotta continue to do that because I unlike NHL officiating I have to stay consistent all season. So <laughs> let's get spicy. Let's put Malosh in for Vlasic alongside Ryan Merkley. Let's really get the shit going, right? Let's stir the fuck out of this pot. But yeah, that's that's. Uh, I, I will add one thing. On yeah, I will add one thing. Uh, you know, when people talk the the accountability thing, and everyone always likes to bring, oh, Brent Burns does this. Why isn't Brent Burns being held accountable? Or Eric Carlson, or Thomas Hurdle. I've seen plays where Thomas Hurdle has made some very bad plays. And uh, I guess the question I would say is, for example, Thomas Hurdle, um, the uh, goal, um, the turnover he made at let's see, a Dallas game. Um, Turnover behind the net. It was supposed to be an icing, actually, that play, right? The first goal of the game, right? Uh, Hurdle makes a really casual, you know, uh, a rim pass that's picked off. Uh, yeah. I don't remember who scored it, but you guys know the play I'm talking about. That was the first Dallas goal of the game, right? That's mm-hmm. not a good play. <laughs> no. But are you going to sit your 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 point of game center, who always, you know, is is always trying his best? If you just made a mistake, it happens, right? Are you going to sit him because of that play? 
if you're not going to sit him, then why would you ask to sit Brent Burns? Because Brent Burns made a mistake. Brent Burns handles the puck all the time. Of course, he's going to make a mistake. Eric Carlson, same thing. Uh, he handles the puck a lot. He's going to make a mistake here and there, too. And Eric Carlson has made, right, quite a few of them recently, right? You don't see Bob Bugner benching those guys. I don't, you know, it's, I, I think it's a whole other conversation, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But yeah. I, I don't think that's a proper retort. I'll put it that way. If you say, oh, you know, Ryan Merkley got benched. How come Brent Burns isn't being held accountable? Uh, okay, you want to hold Brent Burns accountable for one play? Uh, then you got to sit Timo Meyer. You guys said Tomas Hurdle. You guys said Logan Couture. If, if that's really what you're really trying to put on your team, and that's not how teams work, you know, star players they earn their their rope, uh, not just because they're stars, but because the idea is that okay, they made a mistake, but they're so good that you give them another chance, they're going to do right right by you the next time. They've earned that. Yeah. Timo Myers earned that this year. Tomas Hurdle, uh, Logan Couture, Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, they've earned that over their entire careers. Um, Ryan Merkley is not close to that. Hmm. And you know, if they were to bench Timo or Hurdle in that situation, the immediate outrage would follow. <laughs> with, Why are you well, benching we, your star when players? They, when they bench Timo in overtime again against yep. Philadelphia, right? Yep. So, um, exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Why are you benching your star players? Like, oh my God, you could never win. Right. But no, but see, I, 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 I didn't even agree with that, that benching. I actually wrote yeah. about that, that I thought that, okay, sit Timo out a shift. That's all you yeah. need to do, send that message. But you start overtime with that guy because that's your guy this year. So, yeah. so I actually disagreed with, with Bob on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, though, so. to me, though, you know, the, the stars have their kind of some latitude. And it's not because they're just stars or they have big contracts or whatever, right? It's because, yeah. again, they make a mistake, but you put them back out there, there's some degree of confidence that they're going to do something great to make up for it. There is no such confidence with a Ryan Merkley or a John Leonard or a, you know, other guys, Jonah Gadjevich or whatever, that that's, that's going to be what happens that they make a mistake. uh, The next shift, they're going to do something amazing to make up for it. There, that's, there's, there isn't that, you know, Ryan Merkley, there's maybe more of a hope for that because Ryan Merkley has that high level ability, but he has not, put that on NHL tape on a consistent basis yet. Yeah. And he will continue to get the games to prove that. Yeah, he will. And the better he plays over time, the better he's going to be. Yeah, let's I say, remember. Oh, good, yeah. I was going to say, let's say every time he makes a bad mistake, the next shift he is 1% better. Or the next game he's 1% better. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> he's 1 100% better. And then he plays 100 games. Where is he going to be? significantly improved right so it it just takes time i've just preached this so often and i feel like i'm just beating the dead horse that doesn't exist anymore because uh, well we have a uh, three more weeks of this so yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of just, uh, you know benchings and and whatnot yeah. a lot of young players in and out of the lineup um i mean i would say with merkley too i remember we talked about this early in the season right like ryan merkley yeah. right now is at 29 games he's played plenty you know and he's gonna get you know there's about 13 games left he's gonna play in a lot of them and yeah He's going to end up with a he good number of games. Half the games. He will be in half of a full NHL season. Yeah, close to that, at least, right? And so, yeah, yeah so he's at he missed a few and games. He plays 13. Yeah. That puts him at 42. If he gets all of them, I don't know if he's yeah, playing yeah. tomorrow. In the big if, right? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but in the end, though, this is a guy that uh, if we're using, uh, using Ryan as a specific example there. He, 
um, he's gotten plenty of games this year to show his stuff for better or worse. And he has shown a lot of better. You know, we mentioned that at the top of this, you know, of talking about him. So I, I don't I'm not trying to again, I say this, uh, I guess, pretty, pretty commonly, because I think because uh, there's I think an infatuation with the Ryan Merkley for obvious reasons, first round pick. Uh, really high-level uh, ability at times, no question. Uh, a world-class elite ability at times. Um, so I, I get the the sort of the uh, how you say it the the the, the adoration, adulation, uh, or whatever, right? Um, so that's why I think I always have to be careful because if you if you're going out going against that, uh, it sounds like you don't like the guy or you don't like the player. Uh, that's not that's not what I'm talking about here. Uh, just uh, pointing out that that it's not a close to realized NHL ready product, um, and um, yeah, so you know, penciling him into the lineup next year uh, as your top six, I mean, maybe, but I mean, I, I think I I would not do that. <laughs> so you know, you know, just... he can grow, he he can, but like, yeah. you know, right now though, I would not do that. Yeah. My final thought on this before we move on is I think Ryan Merkley on game 30 coming up, his, his 30th game played, is a significantly better Ryan Merkley than I saw game one of this season. Yeah, I, just, I would say just that. From yeah, what I think I've he's seen. better, yeah. And that doesn't happen without those teachable moments that he gets put through. I so, mean, I will say that you can argue that if you just give him games and, and he messes up and you just keep putting him back in the line, he can learn from that too. But I think that both method methodologies are there's there's arguments for 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 both methodologies, yeah. um, but you probably lose more games in the, with this with the, just giving him run in the lineup. And yeah, there is something to be said too. We talk about confidence. like yeah, confidence. It's true. That's true too. If he keeps messing up, that can that can mess with his confidence too. But also, there's something to be said about you know what they, what do they say about what is the one thing that coaches have as a as a as a stick as a carrot and a stick for players right these days yeah. right and it's playing time um they don't really have much else anymore because these players are are you know are millionaires basically from the time they enter the nhl you know minimum you know annual contract is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars um so <laughs> yeah. that's that's the one carrot and stick they've got and so yeah so uh so yeah so yeah so sure i, I can i can see that there's an argument for just giving him run but i don't know i don't know if that's that's exactly a perfect strategy either obviously so understanding both arguments and completely ignoring the possible benefits of one like a method teaching Mm -hmm. method are two separate things so yeah all right 30 minutes of ryan merkley has it been 30 minutes already that's what i like to see that's that's that's, that's polarizing. That's, yeah, that, oh, no. <laughs> I think we meant to talk. I meant to talk ten minutes about Ryan Murphy. Yeah, we now, meant to now go we're ten or fifteen. Talk. <laughs> um, we're gonna quickly run through. The Sharks are just riddled with injuries. Shang, I mentioned uh, John Leonard's going in for a scan uh, from blocking a shot. Uh, CT ins- scan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on that that knee, that leg showed on the replay. Uh, I believe Jonah Gadjevich also blocked a shot and, with his hand. Yep. yep. So uh, not doing great. But the bigger names, no offense to John, no offense to Jonah, but the, the bigger names, 
Kevin LeBanc and Aiden Hill. Let's start with Kevin. Come on, Shane. What do you got for us? Well, it's uh, bad news for Kevin, I guess. You know, uh, we talked with Kevin, and he was talking about, I'm going to come back Saturday against Dallas. And Bob Bookner was not as optimistic as Kevin LeBanc. Bob wouldn't give us a target date, but he did sound mm-hmm. like he thought that, that Kevin LeBanc would come back this season. And um, Saturday, uh, there was no Kevin LeBanc at, at Morning Skate at the Dallas game. And Bob Bookner was saying that they might shut down Kevin LeBanc for the season. <laughs> So a little bit of whiplash there, which I understand, you know, some, some, uh, some, uh, some fans, uh, uh, some, some friends, you know, wondered uh, what, what was going on with that. Um, so I, I think that it is really just as simple as Kevin LeBanc has a shoulder injury and those kind of injuries are different, you know, uh, yeah. the example, you know, there's an example, oh, Mario Farrell came back five weeks, you know, uh, five weeks, uh, eight, eight week time timeline. <laughs> Uh, Bob loves Mario Farrell. He hates Kevin LeBanc. He wants to see Kevin LeBanc for the rest of the season. Uh, so no, it has nothing to do with anything like that. Um, you know, Kevin LeBanc's injury, as explained by Bob Bugner, uh, was that Mario Farrell, I'm sorry, Mario Farrell's injury. Uh, Mario Farrell got something inserted, sounded like something metal or something like that, and he's good to go. Like he's not going to make it worse. There's no, nothing like that, you know. So as long as he looks good and nice, he's skating well, he's feeling pain free. Uh, and you know, he's got whatever got put into him there. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know, bionic part or whatever. Right. But whatever, whatever, whatever it was though. Right? Adamantium. It's, adamantium. Right. Uh, but it wasn't anything that, uh, there's no risk of aggravating or making worse or whatever. Right. Whereas Kevin LeBanc in his shoulder, there is that risk. And so that's, I, I think why they, they went that way. I assume, I don't know this for a fact, but I assume that that sort of final checkup that Kevin LeBanc was, final checkup that Kevin LeBanc was supposed to have, and that was supposed to, you know, be the all clear before the Dallas game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find it, I do find it believable that it went well, but maybe not quite as well as they were hoping enough where they're like, well, maybe we'll, we'll sit him or we'll think about sitting him. Um, if they were in the playoff hunt, it might be a different story, but obviously the Sharks are not there. And so, yeah, so I'm not really sure. Right now we have no confirmation yet of what's going to happen with Kevin in terms of uh, if he'll be back this season or not. Um, we'll see, but definitely is looking like he won't be. Um, and so that's unfortunate. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing what he kind of could bring uh, to close the season because he's had such a, such a poor start to the year. So it would have yeah. been would have been nice to see, uh, you know, he probably would have gotten a top six playing time, which he did not get earlier this season because he started most of the season with Nick Bonino and then got sent to the fourth line. Uh, so it would have been nice to see him with, you know, Couture, right? Because Couture is right now playing with Chimileski or Gregor or Balzers or Leonard, you know, just guys that aren't uh, aren't uh, close to being uh, second line caliber players in NHL yet. You know, all these guys have talent, but not there yet. Uh, Kevin LeBanc is right there. You know, Kevin LeBanc has shown that ability. And so it would have been nice to see uh, uh, Kevin uh, really get a chance to kind of remind uh, fans just how talented he is. Yeah. It's unfortunate, really. That's another one of those things where, uh, as a fan, I don't have much to watch for right now. Um, so seeing guys, young guys get inserted and people come back from injury is always right. a, a morale right. boost for yeah. For, you know, it's, it's good to see, you know, fuck it. Show me what you got, Kev. Yep. Let me see that that wicked right shot that we loved in the playoffs in, in 2019, you know? The next guy so. we're going to talk about, same kind of thing, right? Wouldn't it have been nice to see? Well, I guess if you're all about the tank the tankathon, it wouldn't have been nice. But, <clears throat> uh, you know, if to see Kevin LeBanc end the season with a flourish, and we're going to talk about Aiden Hill now, right? And if he ended, ended the season well, that would have been nice. Uh, but anyway. Listen, 
they can succeed and we can still lose games. We've seen this before. <laughs> We've seen That's true, this. the Dallas game, right? So Yeah. That let them succeed. Let even them the, even the Edmonton game. Trick. Yeah. Get a hat trick, Kev. Just lose four three, you know? So but yeah, Aiden Hill, what's you know, I'm not gonna talk too much about Aiden because Mike uh what, you know, coming up later in the episode yep. we got Mike McKenna in and he uh, does a great job, honestly. Like I can't even fathom like the the goalie brain is a very <laughs> unique specimen and to just hear mike talk goalie is just amazing and he provides a lot of insight on this whole thing that i didn't Aiden even think hill, about. james reimer and Kapo kakinen so yeah, yeah for specifically sure. but yeah but, what's the hill update shang uh not good too uh, so Aiden Hill has had a very interesting season uh, just to update the most recent stuff. So uh, Aiden played on January 22nd and then he sat out for nearly the next two months. And that was during the stretch where James Reimer started 13 straight games. Uh, the famous uh, Sachenko, Zach Sachenko truther era. So uh, anyway, uh, Aiden Hill finally got back into action on March 12th against the Kings, and he shut them out. <laughs> so fantastic, right? Uh, Aiden Hill has not, <laughs> has not played since then. And um, shortly after that, that Kings uh, shut out, Aiden Hill was asked to stay off the ice for a couple weeks, uh, two weeks to be exact, and to see kind of, you know, to kind of let whatever was going on, lower body still haven't learned more beyond that, but whatever was going on to let it calm down and see where, where he was at two weeks, you know, after two weeks, it's been two weeks and Aiden Hill, as far as we know, is not back on the ice and Aiden Hill, uh, has definitely not been practicing. So if he's on the ice, he's on his own. Um, and Bob, when we asked him last about it, eh, two, three days ago said, yeah, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind. Haven't really seen Aiden Hill around too much. Uh, he's not part of our practices. So there's really not much to say. These are all bad, uh, bad, uh, 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 clues or telltale signs that we may not see Aiden Hill for the rest of the season, unfortunately. So hope I'm mm -hmm. wrong about that. I don't know that for a fact, but obviously uh, when you uh, play your last game on January 22nd, you come back on March the 12th, then you miss the next three weeks from that. <laughs> yeah. That is not a uh, uh, injury that is, is, is uh, tracking positively. The telltale heart. <laughs> not yep. looking good, man. Not looking not good. Looking good. not looking good. So, no, it's um, you know, from from my personal standpoint, obviously, um, I hope he's feeling okay. I hope he can make a full recovery, and I hope he's putting together some wicked paintings. Yeah, yeah. Time. <laughs> you know, and his injury is lower body, so yeah. So there's nothing yeah. wrong with that glove hand. So. Oh yeah, let's. Uh, we're, I'm gonna send him wax some on, box wax wine. On. Yeah. <laughs> send him some box wine and some canvas, and just tell him to have fun. So, if you're listening to this, Aiden. Best wishes, man. I hope you're feeling better. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been it's been a, a tough season for him. It's been hard uh, for him to get just a consistent stretch of games. You know, uh, he, you know, yeah. he, during the first like couple months, he was able to, but since then, it's just been uh, just been uh, really off and on. Yeah. Well, I mean that that really rounds out our sharks portion. Well, I wouldn't say sharks portion, but sharks news highlight of most recent stuff. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of things we wanted to specifically touch on before we. Uh, send it over to uh, Mike with our interview here. Uh, a couple of great stories coming out of uh, some writers from San Jose Hockey Now, Shang. Uh, Liz Child, of course, at Liz Child, broke a story. Double Z. <laughs> Double Z, yes, yes. Uh, broke a story on a new defenseman the Sharks signed to an NHL contract. A not-so-new defenseman to Barracuda fans, but Nick Chichek, 
signed a contract with the Sharks. Sharks have yet to publicly announce this, but that's just how much inside information we get, right, Shane? <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, um, uh, Portland Winterhawks coach uh, Mike Johnson just let it slip out, and I guess he does a weekly video. But, hey, full yeah. credit to Liz there. That's her first NHL scoop. Uh, that's really awesome and uh, really yeah. proud of her for uh, for pulling that down uh, in her uh, first season uh, with uh, San Jose Hockey Now. Yeah, so um, I look forward to the Nick Chichek call-ups here hopefully <laughs> next season. Well, it's yeah, yeah. I'll season, I'll start but... to dig in a little more of uh, what people have seen from him this year, uh, what they think his ceiling is. Mm -hmm. I know I noticed him in uh, early in the season, and I noticed that he was playing uh, significant minutes, even though he was not a Sharks uh, prospect at that point. He was uh, signed with the Barracuda, but not the Sharks. And so he was a guy that really uh, really stood out uh, to me early in the season. And I had a uh, just my own kind of sense of just that he he would he would get this contract just based on talking to Roy at that time and just sort of guessing because you don't give a, a guy like that the playing time he was getting early in the season if you don't really see a lot in him. And if you see a lot in him and he's not with your NHL organization yet, well, you're probably going to tie, you know, lock him up uh, uh, in, you know, in that regard. And so, yeah, so congratulations to Nick too. And the other uh, big story we have uh, on San Jose Hockey Now, uh, Barracuda Jason is from Kathy Trey. And it's a terrific story about Santeri Hadika. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Uh, but if you're curious about how to say it right in Finnish, Cat has a cat has uh, directly from uh, Hadika himself. How do you say his name in Finnish? And also, we have a great quote in that story. Just what he's got to work on to make it to the NHL that next level. I think that uh, Sharks fans uh, maybe were a little bit. Um, uh, how do you say it? Um, you know, he started the season with the Sharks, you know, a lot of excitement for that, you know, maybe mm -hmm. thoughts that he would just, you know, step in as a 20 year old, you know, a la, you know, Mark Edward Vlasic, you know, I think Vlasic was 19 or Mario Ferraro and just, you know, mainly be a part of the Angel lineup. But uh, how did this game, uh, a lot of tools, but he's a bit more raw and we could see that early in the season and it might be a little bit longer before we see him. But the tools are there when I, when I mean see him, see him regularly in NHL, Bob Bugner. Another former Angel defenseman himself, 630 Angel games to his credit. So not quite Brett Hedekin level, but still pretty good uh, career right there. Uh, talked a lot about just what he's hoping that Hadika uh, will improve on uh, to get himself in, uh, get himself toward being an Angel regular. And so anyway, that's all in Cat uh, Petre's story. Uh, that's uh, the Rio Cat Petre, P-I-T-R-E on Twitter. And so find the story on San Jose Hockey Now and follow both Liz and Cat. And of course, prospects we've got coming up down the pipeline. We have a lovely little Frozen Four battle going on. Thomas Bordalo for the, are they the Wolverines? The Michigan Wolverines? Yep. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not a big NCAA guy. You know? Apparently not. Yeah, because that's like the biggest one. It's like, uh... well, I mean, I knew. I just wasn't sure of it. So, <laughs> I mean, that might be the biggest one, actually. I'm, I'm trying to think yeah. like... Uh... Yeah, it's like uh, USC what? What is that? USC what? The Trojans? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> There's yeah, also the game talks and too. Baseball, but... <laughs> so. <laughs> That's South Carolina, though. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> So Denver is actually going to be we going should, We should play, play, this, play this game with you, then uh, college mascots. Yeah. Oh, actually, no. Let me try. Would, really, I uh, fail. I'm going gonna, gonna to try one. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Florida. University of Florida. What, Gators? Okay. Uh, Florida State. Oh, I don't know. Wait, where are the, wait, wait, wait. No, no, that's Oregon State. I was thinking Beavers. No, Damn. Florida State. Florida State. No, no, I don't know. I have no idea. 
Alabama. Oh, that's the. Aren't they like literally a color? It's like the Crimson Tide or something. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's pretty good. I don't uh, know what the mascot is though. Like. Well, no, but that's their name. Whatever you know. Oh, maybe okay. it's not their mascot, but it's the the name of the team. Shang, this is uh, a hockey podcast, man. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's let's go with with hockey. How about the University of Denver? Oh yeah, no, no, I definitely don't know any of these. Uh, how I about, know like uh, the Minnesota <laughs> has like Gophers. <laughs> the Golden Gophers. That's pretty good. Golden how about gophers. how about how about Mario Ferraro? Mario Ferraro is. Uh, I don't know what UMass is. I don't UMass know what... Amherst. Okay, the uh, minute yeah, man. I don't... The minute, man. That's that's topical. <laughs> that's regionally correct. Magnus Krona is going to be and facing off. <laughs> Magnus Krona will be starting a net for the Denver. I don't know who is going years. against <laughs> going against the Sharks prospect Thomas Bordalo for the, oh, the Wolverines. Michigan Wolverines. Thank you, thank you. Two p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yep, if you tomorrow. go to the or NC- today, I guess, yeah. Yeah, whenever you're listening. Thursday, well, Thursday, 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah, Thursday, April 7th, Frozen 4, ESPN 2. <laughs> um, if you go on the Frozen 4 website, it says 5 p.m., but that's Eastern, Eastern Standard Time. time. Yep. So we're giving you the scoop here, San Jose Hockey Now podcast, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I think ESPN Liz's scoop 2. was way better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Can't debate it. Can't debate it. <laughs> oh, Nick, you know time zones. What do you fucking do? <laughs> it is All also right. time uh, for for you guys to jump on San Jose Hockey Now and read uh, the story I wrote today about Magnus Krona and some of the things that he's been working on with uh, Sharks goaltending coaches, Evgeny Nabokov and Danny Sabrin. And also, too, uh, he's open to going pro after the season, but sounds like the Sharks are – Going, he's a junior. It sounds like the Sharks are uh, are going to let him uh, uh, marinate a little longer uh, uh, in college. Um, mm. That appears to be the plan. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, uh, so it's a it's a it's a fun story. I also asked him about the nickname Big Time. Mm-hmm. Got him uh, on the slow cooker for the <laughs> Sharks farm system there. Yep. So, all right. I think that pretty much wraps it up for this portion of the episode. Uh, coming up next, we have an absolute banger of an interview with Mike McKenna. Uh, before that, we are going to give our weekly shout out to our Draft Kings sponsorship. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets. Win or lose, guaranteed. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $5 on UFC 273, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See our show notes for details. And without further ado, here's our interview with Mike McKenna. Joining us this week is a guest we've had on previously. He's an NHL analyst at Daily Faceoff, a host for Sirius XM NHL Network, and also co-hosts his own podcast, The Suitcase and The Scribe. Ladies and gentlemen, 
we bring you Mike McKenna. Mike, the last time we spoke, you had just joined Frank Cervalli at Daily Faceoff. You just kicked off the pilot episode of your own podcast, and now you're officially deep into the world of media. How much hair have you lost since then? <laughs> oh, I haven't lost much. It's just turned gray. I, no, you're wearing a cap right now, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's free. I mean, it's still there. <laughs> but I got to tell you, fellas, it's uh, it's rapidly turning gray. I'm starting to reflect the sun, and I I, did, I knew it was coming, but now I'm starting to find it in my beard. So um, it is different. Like I I feel like at this point, I've I've done just about everything but referee a game. You know, I've yeah. I've played. I've I've done broadcasting now media writing i've i've been a goalie coach at the ncaa level for a couple of years with st lawrence so um i'm just kind of i'm thinking about putting the stripes on next year i think i'm going to become a referee that's my hey, you should uh a guy you may have played against uh, jordan samuels thomas former hl player he's yeah. an hl ref now so <laughs> oh and, and i tell you what an amazing guy like yeah, i is. i have all the time for jordan we we got to be friends um, at the Professional Hockey Players Association meetings, which is the minor league union. Sure. Um, got to know each other and have stayed in touch. And I think he's doing an amazing job as an official. Yeah, I got to know uh, uh, JST a little bit uh, when uh, he was with Ontario Rain. And so, yeah, no, good guy. And yeah, uh, want to razz him someday out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get, him on, the, get him on here, man. He's <laughs> he's phenomenal. Great skater, good feel for the game. Yep. Uh, and just a big dude, man. He's got, he's, you know, when, you, when you're thinking of referees, sometimes you get a little dweeb on skates. It's like, man, I don't really know about this guy. And when you get more a speed player, skater type, right? Yeah. When you get a former player, that's kind of like got a hulking presence like Jordan. It's, it's instant respect on the ice. <laughs> well, let's get a, a right to it right now. We're going to talk today about uh, the Sharks goaltending, just like we did last time. And when we had you last, it was sort of a preview of what uh, James Reimer and Aiden Hill might bring to the Sharks. But uh, now, uh, a few months later, the Sharks have actually brought in a third starting goaltender. <laughs> and so what are your initial thoughts on the Jake Middleton for Koppel, Kocken, and Trey? Just when you heard it, we're just like, what? You know, is something else going to happen next? It caught me off guard because Middleton to me had some value on the open market. Yeah. And, you know, if you make that trade, you're not bringing in Capo Kakinen to be a layover and get rid of him. That was my instant thought was that they intend, they being the Sharks, intend on him being a San Jose Shark. Mm -hmm. And I can't quite put my finger on how that's going to work now because you've got Aiden Hill with another year left at two plus on million dollars. You've got James Reimer, who's still got term left on his contract who by all means has played phenomenal this year. I think for the sharks, especially yeah. as poor as they've been defensively Reimer's been the rock of the team, man. And I'm not sure where it's going to go. I can make my predictions. I, I think I have an idea of where it may head. Um, well, let's get to that in the end then. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll you can go right ahead on that. But in any case, I, I just, I was surprised by that trade really yeah. because like the sharks to me, aren't a team that's good enough to start searching for better goaltending right now. Like I think they're honestly with, with them re-signing hurdle for another eight years. I, I think that they're probably four to five years away from <laughs> being good again, because they haven't like, they could have get, they could have got good draft picks and, and really jumpstarted right. this rebuild. And, and they refuse to think it's a rebuild. Like, yeah. I don't really see that being competitive with the, the amount they're spending on D and everything else. But regardless of that, we're here to talk 
goaltending, aren't we? So let's <laughs> yeah. carry on. Go ahead. Well, hey, you know what? Kapo Kakinen's, uh, Kakinen's 25, so he's going to be perfect for five years from now when the Sharks are good again. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I guess the question with Kakinen, uh, the first basic one is just, well, how good is he in your opinion? Well, I mean, he's at one point he was the American Hockey League's goalie of the year, which to me has a ton of clout to it. You know, that's that's not something you can just rattle off and, you know, not anybody can do it. Simplest yeah. way to put it. Um, but it could also at that level mean that you have a ton of natural talent. And that can get exposed exposed at the NHL level if you don't have the technical ability to go along with it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think Kapokakinen's game is at. You've seen good stretches of hockey and bad stretches of hockey in Minnesota. And that means to me, a lot of times you've got a goalie who really relies on feel a lot and confidence. And again, with Kakinen, he's got phenomenal athleticism. He's got a natural instinct to make saves. But he plays pretty far out of his net. He plays extremely low and wide. He doesn't rotate well, and he chase, tends to chase pucks. And he's kind of the direct opposite of James Reimer or even Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill being more of a goal line goaltender in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So Kakinen has a ton of energy. He makes the game hard on himself. But if he can get a defense that plays well enough that doesn't allow seam passes and cross ice, man, he can do the job because, again, great reflexes. And he, he loves to play aggressively, but you'll see that that, be, that becomes difficult. Like his stance to me is kind of like, it's almost like the, it's, it's like Kari Lettinen came back to life and <laughs> hopped in the cage again. You know what I mean? Like Letts came out of Dallas, out yeah. of retirement. Sure. <laughs> and if you could took like the bastard child of Kari Lettinen and Mika yeah. off, that's Kakinen to me, yeah. like in terms of stance and the way they play. So, I, I just think that he needs some stability in his positioning, and I think he needs to rotate better, and I think somebody needs to bring him a little bit more upright, which, of course, right. when I think of Evgeny Nabokov, who was really one of the most upright goaltenders in the last 30 years, maybe that's a good fit, you know, yeah. long-term. But, again, it's a pretty crowded crease. They're going to have to figure out what they want to do. Right, right, right. But uh, it sounds like, though, based on what you're saying, that uh, the – maybe the ceiling for a Kakinen is higher than it might be for Reimer or Hill. And so if you're the Sharks and you have a Jake Middleton, it's always, it's been my belief that they did not believe that Jake Middleton was a true top four defenseman or they would have mm-hmm. held on to him. He's a true top four defenseman is, is too valuable. Like a Mario Ferraro type. You don't just give that up for a third starting goalie of all things. Right. Right. But Middleton being at maybe the height of his value right now um, is a guy that, well, you know, we got to get something for him. And if no, if people aren't going to, or if other teams aren't going to match, you know, they wanted something like what, uh, Anaheim got for Josh Manson, you know, a second and another good prospect. If a team wasn't going to match that, well, let's take something uh, of value (laughs) here at least, and we can work with this and we can, you know, flip Kakinen later if we need to, or flip a rhymer uh, or something, just something, you know, just add to, uh, you know, just take advantage of the kind of the asset value there. That's, that's that's sort of my, my thought on that. What's going to happen is, None of these three goaltenders that are in San Jose are going to end up in the American League next year. Right. That is not going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, Kakinen's an RFA. Mm-hmm. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there, I believe. I, yeah, I he is. He is. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's going to get – he's an NHL goalie. 
He's played games. He's going to get his co- get a contract. He's probably, you know, he's an RFA. So what's he going to get? A one year deal, or is somebody going to offer more than that to him? Might you be know? something uh, similar and to like a Hill, yeah, or uh, you yeah, know, Hill was see, the same situation, yeah, last year. I could easily see a two or three year deal, a two yeah. or two and a half, or I could even see a one year deal just as a prove it. Either mm-hmm. way, you never know. Um, but I think that Kakinen would still have value on the market if somebody were looking for sure. him. So because again, like I think the 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 thought process on Kakinen is that he does have a higher ceiling that he's shown because he's had really, really good spurts. And if you could even that out, what can you have? So I see the intrigue of it and I can understand why. Like when I watched San Jose at the beginning of the year, I thought they were making a critical error by trying to force a square peg in a round hole by playing Hill so often when Reimer was playing so well and Hill wasn't. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't winning games at the rate that James Reimer was. And I mean, Midway through the season, the Sharks may have been sitting at the edge of playoffs if they played Reimer more. And, but I understand the reasoning as a franchise, right? You get a young goalie like Hill, who you right. believe in, who's got upside, and you you want him to grow into that role, but you can't force it. So, Reimer is what he is. Okay, he's a great, he's a good backup in the NHL. He can play some number one minutes if you need him to, which he obviously has this year, and he's done a great job. He's steady. He's very predictable. You know, he's not out of control. But with Hill, there's still a work in progress to me. You know, he he has deficiencies to his game that will need to improve for him to really take his game to a starter's level. And that's where I can't read the room in San Jose, whether they've whether they still believe in Hill, mm-hmm. whether they think he's expendable, whether they've just simply replaced him with Kakanen and that's the direction they're going to go. I think there's a lot of variables here and I really am unsure, you know, if this is a real trial period for these goaltenders, because Kakanen, it hasn't gone great since he right. showed up in San Jose, you know, if it is, and if it's an audition, it's, it's not going to help you a whole lot when you're allowing four game and you get yanked, if, you know, 20 minutes in after allowing four. So yeah. it's uh, it hasn't been the easiest defense to play behind though, either in San Jose this year. Well, that's a way to keep his uh, cap hit down, I guess. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I mean, depress the cap hit, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll get to uh, – I, I do have questions about uh, uh, Aiden Hill in, in a little bit, but uh, sticking with uh, with uh, Kakinen, uh, what do you know about his uh, work ethic? Um, as far as I understand, his attitude is great. You know, well-liked mm-hmm. in Minnesota, you know, teammates, uh, management uh, loved him. But uh, how about his work, though? Is he going to put that work into the B – uh, and what do you think his ceiling is? You know, is it a above average NHL starter and, you know, that sort of thing, you know, can yeah. we put the work to do that? I'm, you know, realistically, I'm not hundred percent sure what his work ethics like. Cause I haven't mm-hmm. spoken to anybody on the inside that's worked with him goalie one-on-one, mm-hmm. but from the outside looking in, you can look at Cam Talbot, who was his goalie partner in Minnesota. And he's a pretty composed goaltender in terms of his technicality and his, his skating routes and his mech mechanics. And again, very different than Kakanen. And I have a hard time believing that this, the goaltending staff in Minnesota would have just let Kakanen run and do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. And after two full seasons under that, underneath the same goalie coaching, I start to wonder, is it getting through? And is he capable of changing? Cause there's two different things. Okay. You know, Man, I've played with goalies that they just want every bit of knowledge. They love the game. They study. They work hard. They do everything. And it just can't translate. 
and and I always felt bad for those guys, man, because it's like, dude, he's just he's such a great guy. He works so hard, yeah. but it's just not happening. But then you get other goaltenders and players in general as well that it's just in one year and out the other. I'm going to yeah. do it my way. I don't know what the case is for Kakanen. He's Finnish, which to me means he's probably a good dude. Mm-hmm. I love Finn, <laughs> man. Like, I, I don't think I ever played with a bad fit, you know, and that some of the best goalie partners I've had. So I kind of lean towards he's so set in how he's played that he's having a hard time changing it. Mm. And this is just me projecting from what I see without any inside knowledge, without sure. having coached him myself. And I think that that's why Minnesota ultimately decided we just don't think we can win with him. We don't see the high end in our time frame that we need right now. And that's what happens with guys. You mentioned it, uh, not just goalies, but players too, who are immensely talented mm-hmm. and maybe at lower levels, their talent, you know, carries them. But then when they come to the best league in the world, they need to adjust a little bit and it takes time. Maybe. Mm-hmm. It's very true, man. Like I've seen it. I mean, my career path, I mean, anybody who's listening to this, who doesn't know, I was a third goaltender. Really. I mean, I, I had to fight for every call up I got and almost every year I had that call up. So I had the, the honor and the pleasure of sitting on the bench with a backup <laughs> towel and opening the door and maybe getting a game or two. Um, you know, I, I think I dressed, I think I played three dozen games and dressed like five times that. <laughs> so um, I, I've seen a lot. And you know, what I've also seen is a lot of time spent before and after practice with players, because guess who the, the target was it was right. me and you can just kind of tell who's got it and who doesn't you know and that's not to say though that there can't be change mm-hmm. i've seen players that i didn't think had a prayer i mean this this guy's out to lunch he doesn't right. want to do anything and you know something flips a year down the road or six months down, and all of a sudden it's like where did this guy come from it can happen, but that's not the likely case. You know, it, by the time you get to pro, it's especially when you're trying to make the NHL, it's kind of, kind of what you see is what you get. Right. So it's, it can be an uphill battle for those, especially for players that just aren't willing to listen. That's, that's not a recipe for success. It is interesting though what you say about um, maybe what you think that Kakanen might need in his game and how that might fit with actually what with uh, what Nabokov has been, you know, was known for in his career. And obviously, a guy like Nabokov, you know, so many wins, um, it's such a track record. You know, do guys maybe perk up a little more when they're talking to a guy like that as opposed to somebody who maybe doesn't have that kind of NHL resume? Now, this is this is a this is a hard question because the easiest ob- the easy obvious answer would be. Oh, wow. He's won this many games in the right. NHL. I better pay attention. And I think it still holds true because that's valid. And there's a lot you can learn from playing a lot and winning in the NHL. But with today's generations of goaltenders that have had training since they were 10 years old, that their parents have spent tens of thousands of dollars on, and they can do T pushes and power pushes and post integrations at 13 years old, like you wouldn't believe. If somebody walks in the door and Evgeny Nabokov can't speak the technical language, mm-hmm. that goalie's going to walk in and go, what's going on here? Why is this guy my coach? And again, I, I want to be very, very clear because I don't know Nabby at all. Sure. I don't know his track record coaching. I don't know any of that. 
I'm giving an example of how somebody with a ton of NHL experience could be perceived if they simply don't know what's going on and they've only right. gotten a job because they played in the NHL. That's not good enough anymore for a goalie coach. You need to be a student. You need to understand everything about the position from a technical side. And the best ones like that are able to meld that with the mental side of what mm -hmm. they know. Like if I walk into that locker room and Navani Nabokov looks at me and he goes, Mike, today we're going to do post integration, you know? And he's like, <laughs> and he rolls through all these technical terms and he shows me video of exactly yeah. why and how and what I've done previously and I can improve on. And then the mental side of I did when I was doing this and I'm going, man, I'm in business. That's what I would be looking for in a goalie okay. coach. Well, just curious uh, too. Uh, you mentioned that you don't uh, know uh, Nabokov uh, personally. Uh, do you happen to know uh, Danny Sabrin? I've played against Danny Sabrin, and I know that he's now been brought in as uh, one of the depth goalie coaches. Right. Yeah. Goaltending right? development. Yep. Right. So um, Sabrin and I played against each other in the American League for a long time. Um, I believe French Canadian, which yep. would be which would mean coming from the Francois Allaire school of butterfly. Um, <laughs> but Danny was a grinder, man. He did this for a long time. And when you see somebody who's maybe, I mean, Danny's probably been retired now for six or seven years, I would guess at least. Yeah, I think so. That sounds about right. Yeah. So if he's still goalie coaching now, it's not just for the fun of it. When he finished playing, he immediately must have gone to goalie coaching to get to this route to where he is now. Um, and to me, there's a lot of value in that. You know, he's had to grind all over again. You want to be a goalie coach in the NHL? I mean, listen, I, I got a resume. I got a great resume. I don't think I can walk in and get an NHL goalie coaching job. And I know the position as well as anybody on earth. I will I will fight to the death on that. Okay. From the, I had to coach myself for years. The people that I've been <laughs> able to have mentor me, everything else, the goalie coaches that I've worked with, I, I'm confident in that. I am not confident in hardly anything in life, but I'm in that. But yeah. I wouldn't get a job because I don't have the resume. And you mm. have to work your way towards that. Sure, so, sure, sure, sure. Um, I'm, I was happy to see Danny's name come up. You know, him, Peter Budai, just he's kind of doing a role with Colorado now. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're seeing the cycle happen. Yeah. Of all the ex-goalies. <laughs> or all the guys that I covered when I first got into business <laughs> were playing and now they're <laughs> – but. Right. I <laughs> uh, wanted to ask you uh, to, um, your thoughts on uh, Kakin. And uh, one of the things, if you look at him statistically, uh, his high danger save percentage it doesn't really stand out. Uh, and is that something, though, that uh, on your side of things that is, is taken, you know, seriously? You know, when the Sharks traded for Hill, they cited, oh, his high danger save percentage is strong. But, you know, I wonder if that's one of those things where they trade for a guy and then they sort of like, oh, he's good in this. Let's put this out in the media. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, there's some validity to it that I can even explain offhand is that yeah. high danger chances are generally those, depending who you're getting them from. It's not just based on where the shot's from. It's sure. also based whether the shot moved or the pass moved across yep. you know, the center of the ice, the Royal road, whatever you want to call it before the shot's taken. And a reason why Aiden Hill could be very good at that is that he's a, he plays deep in his crease. He, he doesn't force the play a lot. Frankly, Aiden Hill's not a very good skater. Mm -hmm. And because of that and because of his size, he's been able to stay deep and he makes a lot of saves that go east to west versus Kakinen, that when the play moves laterally, like I explained previously, he does not rotate before he moves very often. He tends to move in straight lines, 90 degrees left and right, and that leaves him vulnerable because you're not square to the shot. And because of the depth that he often plays with, you have to travel further. And when you have mm -hmm. to travel further, what you end up doing is getting spread. 
You end up reaching with your arms, reaching with your legs. It creates holes. More pucks go in. So it can kind of be a misnomer when we're just strictly speaking about high danger save percentage because, again, they're very different goaltenders. Um, but that's the reason why it reads like that to me mm-hmm. is that Kakinen can play a little further out. He can get spread. But if you've got a team that locks down middle ice, he's pretty strong on first shots because mm-hmm. he has such amazing reactions. Okay. Okay. So you're not, wouldn't be too concerned about that number maybe. So I would uh, want to see it yeah. play out with the new team first. Yeah. Sure, I would sure, want a sure. sample size where if it, if it continues to follow him around, Hey, this is a trend, but when you only see it with one team, Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little bit, a little bit harder to gauge from. I was going to ask a related question. Uh, similarly, his uh, goal saved above expected, also not strong. But I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a a number that is taken seriously, uh, you know, by uh, those you know who are serious about the craft of goaltending. Yeah, we do. I mean, you take everything into account. I mean, the one that's really. Not many people look at goals against average and think that that's a real barometer any longer. Right, right, right. You you, you instantly go to save percentage first, and then you have to account for the team. So you're looking at wins, and then you look at goals against. Um, But the goal saved above expected, goal saved above average, you know, again, it depends which website you're coming from. Right. I think there's a lot of value in them because it just takes more metrics into account. Um, but again, you do need to know the methodology of it to really kind of understand it. And I've seen some pretty big swings in those. Um, and some of the goal save above expected can be a, a little bit difficult to understand at first because they can be cumulative over the mm. course of a season, right? Like, oh my God, this guy saved 39 goal save above, yeah. you know? Well, maybe he did that in the first half of the year or whatever. Like it's, sure, <laughs> it's sure, of course, yeah. you yeah. know, it, it can be a little different. Like Jonathan Quick is, I mean, I checked his numbers it's probably two or three weeks ago, but I think from the holiday break until that point, his save percentage was like the worst in the league yet. He was still like ranked pretty high and goal saved above expected. So I think you have to take all those things into account. Um, okay. and, and, you know, the goalie eye can kind of lead you to what's going on, mm-hmm. but ultimately you still the eye test Yeah, and you got to watch if you really want to evaluate a goalie. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, let's uh, move on a little bit to the other Sharks goalies, and then we'll ask you what you think uh, the Sharks should do with their three-headed monster here. But uh, first, uh, let's talk about James Reimer, and you talked about just how good a season uh, that he's had. Uh, when we had you on uh, earlier this season, uh, you know, you weren't as bullish about uh, about uh, what he would do. And so mm-hmm. uh, have you been pleasantly surprised by what he's done? Has he added to his game, or is he just uh, sort of the same guy, but he's just been more consistent maybe this year? I've been really pleasantly surprised. Okay. Like to me, James Reiner was a 907, 908, 910 goaltender. Um, if he's on a good team, he's been awesome this year. Like I've actually done a decent amount of video watching Reimer because there's elements of his game that are so in control. I like to show goaltenders that I'm coaching. And the only time that Reimer kind of gets in trouble is when he gets a little bit passive, which can be at times, you know, one extra movement to get square on a post, you know, maybe uh, just a little bit more depth he could take. But it's also counterbalanced by the fact that he protects the middle of the net really well, which is the most insane thing for me to say, right? This guy protects the <laughs> middle of the net. Well, the reason being I say that is that not every shot's from the middle of the ice. Mm-hmm. And you have to move to make saves. Like you can't just stick a walrus in the net like the Geico commercial and expect to win games. <laughs> Sumo wrestler. Yeah, you have to move, man. So when you move left to right, you know, east, southwest, west, southwest, towards your posts, 
you got to get your whole body there and you got to protect the middle of the net. Well, Reimer does that because he's a really good skater within his routes. Mm -hmm. He plays pretty compact. Very rarely is he spread. He always brings his back leg to his front leg. So the holes close. Basically, he just has incredible mechanics. What he doesn't have are great hands. He's not a great puck handler, but he has played really to me above what anybody could have expected this year. I think he's been awesome. And uh, I was happy to see it because I thought this might be kind of riding off into the sunset and it still might be, Mm -hmm. but if anything, he's, he's definitely showed everybody, Hey man, I'm not rolling over yet. I'm still here. (laughs) So if you're the sharks, uh, you know, they have him signed for one more year at a very reasonable rate. You know, he is also mm-hmm. one of the better uh, goaltending values in the league, at least uh, this year, uh, making uh, just, I think it's 2.25 million. Um, can you see him repeating this performance then next season? Oh, well, that's, and that's been the hard part. He's had, you look at his career and it's kind of had fluctuation from season, right. to season, which it always kind of surprised me because I think he's such a predictable goaltender in a lot of ways. Um, but we have seen that before. But for me, like, I don't see how you can move on from James Reimer. I don't. Like, I know him. I know his his personality. I know what he brings to a room. Right. It just, I mean, the most positive man on the planet. Yes. <laughs> nice as can be. Yep. <laughs> like, he has so much value in a locker room. And when you combine that in play, with playing well and a good cap hit, I, I just can't. And unless somebody... Unless a team throws a crazy package and says, we need James Reimer, which I don't think there's many teams lining up for him. Right, you know, right. The perception is still, hey, he really outperformed his usual self this year. And when you're that late in your career, you know, it's not like somebody's going to step up and, and make you the next starter for the club. Yeah, that's what was funny when the Sharks uh, traded for uh, Kakinen. The assumption was that Reimer would be the guy to go out because Reimer obviously has played at a high level this year. And um, Hill, I think, was hurt at the time. Hill is still hurt right now. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, again, why would the Sharks carry three goalies? But, of course, they kept Reimer. And so that's what's sort of interesting in, in, in all this mix. That I wonder if they did have something for Reimer set up and didn't, it fell through maybe. Who knows, right? But yep. um, but uh, going to Aiden Hill, and Aiden Hill obviously has had an up-and-down season. Uh, he's been injured. He is injured right now. Uh, there was a point where he was out for three weeks or so. He came back. He had one game. I think he shut out L.A., and then he got hurt, mm-hmm. and then he was on <laughs> back on back on, that, back, uh, back on an injury list. He hasn't come back from it yet. Um one thing you mentioned is his skating, and you you mentioned that uh, when we talked uh, before the season. Have you seen improvement in that? I mean, what do you see from his game in the kind of snatches that you've seen uh, of Aiden this year? I haven't really, and that concerns me. And, um, I mean, it takes a lot of work, and it's hard to do that in a season when you sure, have such a dense schedule. You know, you're and he's still... been hurt too, right? Yeah. So. And, yeah, I mean, you that's a double whammy. Like, even if you're healthy and you're playing a lot of games, you really don't get to hone in on skating a whole lot, change routes where you want to end up. That's more of an off-season type of tweak. And, you know, coming over mid-summer, like, you're probably not going to dig in on that. So I I really haven't seen much. And I don't know how much better it can get. I know it can for anybody if you put the work in, but you have to go to the right people. Mm -hmm. You have to go to people that really understand goalie skating inside and out and the importance of it. And... I, I, it's, it's hard because for somebody like Hill, man, he's so tall and so big and so rangy that when you've always been able to get away with it, why did you ever have to learn otherwise? You know, and that's, 
I think that was ultimately the downfall of, of Devin Dubnik was his size the same way. Dub wasn't a great skater either. You know, these two are very similar goalies to me in a lot of ways. And as dynamic as the NHL has become, if you can't get east to west and bring your whole body, I mean, we're talking bring your back leg with your front mm-hmm. leg, with your chest, and get on top of the puck, life's pretty tough. And and so he's, Hill's always made up for it by playing, you know, pretty deep to his goal line. But um, the rap sheet's also that, hey, put it up by his ears and you might score, which is crazy for a 6'6 goalie. But, you're, again, you're so big, you're so used to being able to drop and make more saves that – right you know, shots up high, they, they can crush you. And, you know, you look at somebody like a Kakanen whose hands are much more active, you know, he's boy, like Finns outside of Americans. And I'm just going to toot our own horn here. Cause it's <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong. We're all Americans here. USA. Yeah. 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 USA, <laughs> USA, you know what I mean? So I'm being totally xenophobic here, but sure Canadians can catch pucks too, but out of the, hey, we said Finns were great guys. All right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all cool. Europe, <laughs> out of the Europeans who don't play baseball, and that's usually your reference point, um, the Finns play something close to it, and they have good hands. So I, I think for Hill, that's that's a sore spot. You know, He's been a drop-and-block goalie who plays deep, and he doesn't have to move a lot. And I think if you wanted to distill down everything on Aiden, how Aiden Hill can become a true starter, because to me, he's, he's an NHL goalie, okay? He's, he's done better in the NHL than I have by a long shot, um, but he's got to become more dynamic and he's got to learn how to skate better and he's got to free up his hands. Okay, well, let's uh, get to the sort of the uh, the jackpot question here. So There's the money you. round. Yeah, the money, yeah. The money round. <laughs> <laughs> so the Sharks have three goalies, um, three goalies that uh, they have a decent amount of investment in. Um, Aiden Hill, they sent a second round draft pick for him. So they must have liked him last summer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Kakanen, they traded Middleton for, and Reimer is, has been the best performing goalie of the three this year. And so, what do you think they do this summer? I don't think they know right now. I really do. <laughs> Damn it, Mike. <laughs> I know. But I, I, I can lay out some options. I can, yeah, I don't think Reimer's going anywhere. If, I will say, if, if Reimer is dealt, it's a mistake. I'll say that right now, and I will hold to that. It is an absolute mistake if the Sharks get rid of Reimer, and I don't think they will. I think they're smarter than that. You can't run with two – I mean, you could if you don't think you're going to win, but again, remember, the Sharks are supposed to be good again. So um, Supposedly. (laughs) According to what they believe, I do not see whatsoever. And again, I think they should, you know, see you later, Tomas Hurdle. You give us that first rounder and a big-time roster player. But – you don't get rid of Reimer. And I think Kakanen has the door open here. If he can turn the singer around and really play lights out to force their hand, mm-hmm. because you know, you're not going to go in a three. You're not going to put one of these guys on waivers. Sure. Hill, Hill or Kakanen will go on. They will get claimed on waivers hundred percent. Nobody's, you know, they're not, you're going to slide this guy through the American league. Um, but I think it almost becomes a question of, like salary cap, like the cap, it doesn't matter here either. Right. It should affordable. be pretty close. Timers afford, like this is an affordable yeah. crew. Yeah. If Kakanen can turn it around and play lights out from here on out, I could easily see Reimer Kakanen mm-hmm. because I think he's the type of goaltender you look at and go, man, he's so dynamic. He's got all the pieces. He's played great games before, been dominant for stretches. You know, we love his, his explosiveness, all those things, his intangibles. I think that, especially in an organization's eyes, that would tick more boxes than what Aiden's done because they're very familiar with what Aiden's done this year. 
you know, and he's been hurt. And I know that that's part of it, but I don't, I think they're seeing the same thing I was. He wasn't winning games either, mm. you know, and I, Reimer wasn't brought in to be the starting goalie of the San Jose Sharks. Sure. No, he it's was supposed not. to be Aiden Hill this year. Right. And bottom line is Hill didn't get it done. And I, and I have to think that that's left something of a bad taste in, in management's mouth. And not, and I don't mean that like, Hey, they hate this guy. I just mean like sure. in terms of his play. So if Kakinen hadn't come in and laid a couple eggs, I thought for sure it was going to be Kakinen Reimer. That's, that's what I thought. Um, but if he keeps, if he allows four goals every game, you know, somebody else can, t- you know, trade him off for a third round pick or a fourth <laughs> round pick or whatever for the, you know, restricted free agent and let somebody else go with him, I guess. Is what's tough about that is that uh, they traded a second round pick for Hill and, you know, if a oh, summer later you're taking a loss on him, because you're not getting a second round pick back for Hill, uh, you know, right no, now. Not, not I close. mean, listen, hey, we've all revisionist history can be a real tough thing in the NHL. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, you're looking right now at, geez, Buffalo Sabres traded Ryan O'Reilly to St. Louis Blues, and it's the <laughs> worst trade in Buffalo Sabres history. Well, Tate Thompson scoring 30 goals this year. Who came back in that trade? And it's taken forever for this to happen, okay? <laughs> right. Well, I don't think you're ever going to convince anybody that Buffalo is going to win that trade like down the road. But my point is that sometimes whatever happens, happens. You just cut the you – know? you just take take the that loss. second round pick's yeah. gone. Yeah, It's done. Sunk cost. It's out the door. Right. And, and you know, you got to decide – how you want to go. I just, if they get rid of Reimer, it's the wrong play. And, but I've seen t- NHL teams do crazier things. Yeah. I, I think the idea there is that uh, Reimer and Kakin obviously have the highest value right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, over Hill. And so, and obviously and, uh, you invested a lot in Hill. So if you believe in his talent, then if he comes back healthy next year, maybe he can, you know, put together the be the Hill that you expected when you traded the second four. But well, Shang, you, you touched on something though, if he can come back healthy. Okay. I, I, I don't have insight on Hill's injuries, how bad mm-hmm. they may be or anything else. Sometimes these moves happen for a reason. And, and dude, this, if anybody accuses me of a tinfoil hat here, that's fine. Cause again, I'm, I'm going to assume Aiden Hill's going to be good to go for next season. Sure. Maybe even the rest of the year. I can't put that on, but I couldn't figure out why the Calgary flames picked up Ryan Carpenter and Callie Yarncroft, a couple of centermen for depth for that team when they already had plenty of centers. Well, a week later, it turns out Sean Manahan needs hip and hip surgery. He's mm. out for, you know, until Fair next point. Week. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if there's any concern within San Jose that Aiden Hill might be a health concern for next year, you may run all three back. Yeah. It yeah. No, that's fair point. Yeah. That could happen. It's rare, but I have seen it. So I just wanted to put that out there because maybe that that's, that could always be, I've seen it happen before, I guess, is the nicest way of putting it, even though it's very uncommon. No, it's a very good point. And like we mentioned, a telltale sign possibly of something like this is that Hill missed, I think, uh, almost a month. He came back for a game, played great, shut out the Kings, and then he hasn't been seen since. (laughs) That is not normal. (laughs) Right. And and who knows how he's going to perform if and when he does come back. Right, 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 right. That's not easy. Um, Tell you what, Robin Leonard made it look pretty easy too on Sunday night coming back <laughs> after about a month layoff. Looked great against uh, Vancouver, but I always found you never knew what you're going to get with a goalie coming off of an injury. And thankfully, I didn't have any. I never missed a game <laughs> in my life due to injury. So. Sat on the bench a lot. Uh, you smelled great after games, right? So. Yes. And I love the free Q-tips in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> Clean ears, man. 
well, Mike, I appreciate your time here. Uh, uh, anything uh, you want, you know, you, you, uh, you have to promote or, I mean, you have oh, a million things to promote, you. right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I love, I, I appreciate you giving me the floor there. I, yeah. I would love it if people would check out uh, the podcast that I do with Scott Burnside called The Suitcase and the Scribe. I'm going to let you figure out which one I am. Um, <laughs> it is a daily face-off podcast, um, and we do that every week. Current events, we get guests, guests sometimes. Scott's written about the NHL now for 25, yep. 30 years, I think. And between him and I, it's a unique perspective. I co-host on SiriusXM usually twice a week. Um, days can vary, generally Mondays or Fridays, but others mixed in as well. Um, I do some work with Sinbin.Vegas and I do, we do a streaming show every week. If you're looking for anything on the Vegas golden Knights and, uh, do a lot of writing for daily Faceoff. I've got 10 pieces out a week, usually nine or 10. Um, every day I have a goalie matchup, uh, like tonight's for this instant tonight, um, Wednesday night, my matchup of the evening was Thatcher Demko and Robin Leonard. So if you'd hop over to daily Faceoff, you'd see about 400 words on it every day. And, <laughs> Uh, I try to mix it around. So a little bit of everything, uh, which I never envisioned an economics major from St. Lawrence doing 17 years after he's, he's first strapped on the pads in pro hockey. Well, you're great at it. And, you know, for uh, as a uh, just a fan, uh, it's so refreshing to oh, hear. <laughs> at Mike McKenna 56. Sorry, yeah. I blew it. At yeah. Mike Twitter. Yeah, but Twitter, just uh, Instagram. Yeah, uh, just uh, just to have that. Uh, perspective, a player's perspective, an expert's perspective, but uh, with the ability to communicate it and to write it, and you know that's just uh, you know great to great to see you in all these places. Uh, you know, putting that putting that out there. I appreciate it, Shang. That's awful nice of you. And um, I, I listen. I come on. I come on here. I guess we could almost say regularly now. It's second time, but <laughs> yeah. I come on because I enjoy talking to you. Uh, and it's this is always a fun one to do. So happy happy. Uh, he gave me the invite once again. Appreciate it. Thank Mike. you, man. Take it easy. And big thank you to Mike for jumping on and talking all goaltending here with us on the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. Again, like I said before, the guy is a hockey goaltending genius. When he started talking about the technicalities and the different terms involved in using and teaching goaltending, my brain just melted, drifted away. I didn't know what he was talking about. So thank you again to Mike. Make sure you go over to Twitter and you follow him. Mike again, McKenna 56, I believe. Yeah, it is Mike McKenna 56. I had to double check that. I thought it was a nine. My eyes are getting terrible. Always check him out on Daily Faceoff as well. He has his uh, goaltending matchups of the day for every single day. So go give him some love. Follow him. And uh, hell, Tweet at him. Let him know how great you, how much you loved his uh, his segment here, or not segment per se, but his interview here on the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. So, though, with the more goaltending changes, the more often we'll see Mike on this uh, on this podcast. So, <laughs> yes, this summer one day acquire a fourth starting goaltender. So. Oh yeah, let's really crowd that. <laughs> you really, piece, you so. really got to make sure the Barracuda are strong next year. So <laughs> yes, crowded in the crease. <laughs> All right, but that's gonna do it for us on this week's episode of the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. Be sure to go shoot us a follow on Twitter at SJHockeyNowPod and go ahead and follow the network at HockeyPodNet. You can follow myself on Twitter at NickFloor underscore and you can follow Shang at Shang underscore Pang. Find all of his beautiful articles written on San Jose Hockey Now. That's where you get all the Mushu updates as well. So that's really And NBC Sharks too. I was getting there. 
<laughs> at NBC Sharks as well. We can't forget the little man, you know, the NBC, yeah. so that, the underdog there. So <laughs> This is Nick signing off for the both of us here, telling you all to stay safe and stay hydrated. Ooh.